listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Kielgard Studios. Hey, 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 what is up, Bass Edge Nation? Man, it is great to be back in the studio. Here we go, man, our mid-November edition. I might want to say, gobble, gobble, gobble. It is almost turkey time. That's right. Thanksgiving coming up uh, right around the corner next week. It's all going down. We're all going to be eating like crazy, which which I really like. Lo love, love the aspect of... Uh, getting together and, and reconnecting with obviously family and friends so uh happy thanksgiving to everyone out there in bass edge radio land we appreciate you being with us as always and as always bass edge radio brought to you by megaware keel guard that's right uh keel guard obviously providing boat odors for protection from grinding salt abrasive rocks concrete boat ramps don't go out there without a keel guard on your vessel and always check into megaware's keel guards website you can go to keelguard.com or megaware.com but be sure you check into all their other absolutely fantastic products for boat accessories of course you got the flex step the battery guard so needed with today's lithium batteries you also got the uh, skeg guard uh man i've seen i've seen a couple people take off some skegs this will save you a lot of money it's a great product check it out megaware.com go in there browse man great christmas gifts too if you're looking for that you know just spiff up in the off season before we kick off this 2024 spring bassin season uh megaware is going to be something that you you take a look at Let's hit up some recent tournament action to kick off today's show. Um, the Toyota Championship, man. We had a big lead up to that here on the program. Talked a lot about it. Had uh, Mike McClellan on uh, for a show to talk about things that might go down there at Table Rock Lake. Mike McClellan, of course, a uh, stalwart there on that fishery. But Chad Mrazek takes it down. He wins the $200,000 at the MLF. Toyota Championship, and I've mentioned it before, just a huge payout in our industry. This is absolutely one of the biggest events. But uh, Chad, using none other than forward-facing sonar to win that event, it was really cool. I, I encourage everyone to go over to uh, MajorLeagueFishing.com. They do a great job. Jody White with his Day 5. Basically, it takes you back to the tournament waters with the angler breaks down the patterns and the techniques give you a little insight chad was using a very small finesse jig actually looked like he was using also for a trailer a very small uh you know little stick worm maybe like a trd or something of that nature but uh chad was like i mentioned already using forward facing sonar uh he's scanning flats Flats off the main river channel, flats in drains, and uh, you can see he was catching a lot of his fish in that 18 to 25 range. Also talked about using a bait caster. So he was using a bait caster on this. You see a lot with the uh, traditional, what I think has now become a traditional jig head minnow technique with uh, this style of fishing. But Chad was utilizing a bait caster with 17 pound test. Getting around some of those cedar trees that are that are flooded there at Table Rock Lake as well, but uh, snatching those fish coming off of those trees, chasing bait balls. You could actually see them double up uh, once or twice there on that day five program. So a huge shout out to 
Chad Mezrek, a Texas angler, um, really taking a big leap. I, I think he's going to be uh, fishing the Tackle Warehouse Invitationals again. He fished them last year. So, um, man, it was a fun event to watch, what I considered a, a great event. So, Table Rock's a neat fishery. You don't, you know, they didn't catch a lot of big fish, but the weights were tight. You could definitely see some separation guys or anglers that were on on the pattern to do well and, and you know, anglers that weren't. It's, it's a neat fishery with a lot of bass. So, Shout out there. Uh, what do you expect? More changes in the organizations and structure between Bass, MLF, uh, the MPFL. Um, but really what, what we're seeing right now <clears throat> is anglers starting to uh, commit and where they're going to be fishing next year. Uh, the biggest thing that I think's come out over the last couple days is Jordan Lee moving from the Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour over to the BASS Elite Series. Um, interesting deal there. He basically takes Larry Nixon's legend exemption. Larry Nixon decided to retire, so he's going to uh, take a back seat, enjoy some more time at home, time with family, and uh, Jordan Lee is going to be taking that spot over there on the Bassmaster Elite Series. We had another angler, Bobby Lane, who was going to, you know, basically trudge his road back from the opens to Major League Fishing that he decided to uh, take his 2022 Red Crest exemption. That win in the uh, Red Crest in 2022 gave Bobby Lane the option to go ahead and continue fishing the following year based on that Red Crest exemption. So uh, he's going to be fishing MLF next year, which is great to see. Love Bobby's style. Love Bobby's attitude in the sport of fishing. He just does an outstanding job. He's really involved with youth as well. So it's great to see uh, Bobby continuing on, on a large platform so we can see him on, on those streaming efforts and lives and that kind of thing. Um, lastly, what just came out yesterday, uh, you know, a lot of anglers moving around once again. I uh, want to just mention a couple of them so you can follow some of your favorite anglers out there. But Brett Height, Cliff Pace, Russ Lane... Cody Meyer, Randall Tharp, and Josh Butler are going to be moving from the MLF BBT, and they're going to go ahead and, and fish the Opens next year. The Bassmaster Opens, uh, most likely looking for that uh, top nine finish in the 2024 Opens to requalify for the 2025 Bassmaster Elite Series. And um, looks like a couple guys maybe uh, also going to leave BBT this year. Jeff Crete, uh, Roy Hawk. Timmy Horton had already talked about 2023 being his last year. Of course, uh, Kevin Van Dam's retired. We all knew that was coming throughout the year. He had a great exit and a fantastic 2023 season. But also another rookie that was fishing uh, the MLF Bass Pro Tour uh, from Mississippi is Mitch Crane. And Mitch decided to, uh, you know, kind of lay off fishing the high-profile events and, and do something a little bit different. So we're going to kind of see some of these finalizations. I, I mentioned before, I think we're going to see a few elite series anglers also fishing the National Professional Fishing League. I mentioned this a few episodes with Patrick Walters having some great success there. So I think you're going to see some more uh, anglers that fish a professional level and live through tournament bass fishing, you know, try to add some of these national professional fishing league events into their queue just to add more events to their schedule with the potential of winning some more money out there. Man, um, 
we do know today that our feature angler, spotlight angler, is going to be fishing the MLF Bass Pro Tour next year. Man, he is absolutely one of the best in the business. I'm so excited to have him on today's show. He is going to be talking to us about some fall fishing. He's going to talk to us about some lure making. We have none other than Ot Defoe joining us today in the Feature Angler Spotlight. Man, I'm excited to get to this segment of the interview. Remember though, before we get there, don't miss subscribe, like the channel, love having you all here. Uh, you can obviously watch here on YouTube, but we're also streaming audio as we always have been for since 2008. We've been out there a long time, but you can catch us on Google Play, Spotify, uh, you know, iTunes, basically any of your streaming platforms out there. Man, we've had, like I mentioned, some great episodes over the last few weeks. Um, Last episode, we had John Garrett, a young Bassmaster Elite Series rookie for 2024. He, he just had a fantastic interview, and uh, be sure you go back and check that out. And then, as I mentioned earlier in the show, we interviewed Major League Fishing's Mike McClellan, talked about fall fishing. These are tips and tactics that you guys do not want to miss. So uh, be sure to go back and check out those episodes, man. Here we go. We're excited. We're going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back with our featured angler, Ot Defoe from Major League Fishing, Bass Pro Tour, right after these messages. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Hey, everybody, here we go. Back at it right here, Bass Edge Radio. Man, as promised, right before the the uh, break right there, there he is on the program, Ot Defoe. Ot, thank you so much for joining us here on Bass Edge Radio. Absolutely, Kurt, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. And you can, you can see I'm actually sitting on the edge of the <laughs> riverbank, been up here on the, on the island trying to get a... a path cut in here to a pond we'll duck in a little bit here in the next few weeks so just been out out messing around a little bit this morning that is awesome dude it looks like tons of fun looks like good weather there in east tennessee for a later part of november yeah yeah the fact i'm out here in a in a short sleeve shirt is very odd uh, yeah <laughs> right. we, we've had there's a lot of the country it seems you know i had a very warm fall um we've only had a couple little cool snaps and they've not lasted very long I had more days in the 70s than we have the 50s so it's it's definitely been weird we're gonna we're gonna get into what that's done to the fishing here in just a little bit um 
but we've got to tap on to uh, a couple of the changes, things going on in the industry. Of course, I don't want to get too dive into it, as you know, as you well know. I we're we're an educational podcast. We love, of course, we turn we report on tournament bass fishing, but usually yeah. we're reporting on tournament champions and asking them how they caught them, getting super insight details. Um, yeah. Kind of off season right now, but uh, so there's a lot of changes going on into 2024. Man, mm. I just want to ask you a couple quick questions to get kind of Ott's take on, okay. on some of this movement. Um, basically, three things. Ott. I wrote three yep. things down here real quick. Um, we'll, we'll take them one at a time. First, um, how about the platform change for Major League Fishing? Going from the, it's always been catch and release, which is a great conservation. I really enjoy and, yeah. and watching that concept, uh, it just kind of gives a different feel, a different aspect. But going from mm-hmm. every fish counts uh, back to the best five, now back yeah. to every fish counts. What's your take on that? You hear a lot of different things from anglers. Want to hear Ott's view? Yeah, absolutely. You know, with and and you know, even when we were fishing in the selects, you know, when that got started, yeah. the every fish count part of it is different, right? You know, I mean, every. Every tournament I've ever fished was a five fish limit. I, I fished one team tournament one time that was a six fish. We only we right, caught right. like ten keepers. We didn't know it was six. We only brought in five. Um, so, but my point is, every tournament that we have ever fished basically was a five fish limit. Um, right. You know, when it started, that every fish was different, and and it still is different. Um, and I I loved that about it because if you're not different then you are just the same, you know I mean? Yeah. It's, it sounds really simple to say, but, you know, the live score tracker obviously makes it different even with five fish um, versus a traditional weigh-in, you know, type event. So you, you still have the ability to know exactly where you're at on the on the standings and, you know, to right. know when you need to make a move even on a five fish. But the, the every fish part of it, I, I love, personally, I love the pace of it. And, and I'll say that, from the time that I started fishing those events in the selects all the way through um, the Bass Pro Tour, it made me a better angler. I mean, it just did because Absolutely. regardless of the size of fish, you, you realize that somebody is always getting bites. And the fact that somebody's always catching one, and if you're not, you know that there's a way to be generating bites. Right. And and it, it made me push harder. It truly did. When, when you only need five, you can fish half the day and not catch any, and it's kind of – it, it cannot be a big deal, you know, <laughs> right. if you, if you know something good's going to happen. So I'm personally, I'm excited because it does keep us different, um, you know, from, from everything else out there. And, and at this day and age, you need, in my opinion, you need something to, to, you know, pull, pull people more in one direction, you know, sure. to, uh, sure. to, to give, give them a different sense, give them different sense of something to watch instead of the same thing over and over. So exactly, exactly. And the excitement level of it, I, I mean, you truly can't argue from watching a season of five fish to all the seasons that we've had with every fish yeah. that last hour, way in, more intense intensity on level way up here. Yeah. Absolutely. Way up. Yes. Because every, every day, every event, there were people who got in in the last five minutes and people who went out with five fish. A lot of times it, it was the same, maybe one person, right. maybe one, one person different. And honestly, in the last hour of every day, other than that, it was pretty well set. Like you yeah. could turn it off an hour to go because there wasn't much going to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be exciting to watch. It's going to be another, you know, kind of return to 
a lot of the excitement that really grew MLF to, to what Correct. it was specifically through those cup events and select events when the whole organization got started. So it's going to be yeah. a lot of fun to watch. Great to hear your take on that. Field size adjustments is the second thing I wanted to get to. And we can talk about business decisions, and, and we understand that that all organizations are a business. They have to be successful. They adjust things to see where the sweet spot is as far as uh, viewership, folks being involved in in that organization, not only from a participation standpoint, but but obviously from a, a viewership standpoint. And it, and it yeah. Having a few less anglers, you know, looking at taking the Bass Pro Tour is what MLF has decided from 80 anglers to 50 anglers. Starting to hear a little bit of rumblings that they may adjust that even a little bit more uh, mm -hmm. after, you know, some further evaluation. What's your take on the smaller field and, and just, you know, what's what's Ott got to say about that process? Yeah, it's, that's a tough one because there are a lot of moving parts to it, and, and you and you yeah. definitely hit on some of them, you know, um, with the the business aspect of it. And I'm I'm certainly not in tune with every every aspect of that, um, you know. Right. So that the the smaller field size is is a tough one because I've got a lot of friends that that doing that are going to be on the outside looking in. You know, there's just no other way to put it. Well, um, and, but everybody's got a shot this year. It's, it's not like right. anybody that's signing up for the Bass Pro Tour doesn't have a shot to make it. Into, no matter where they have finished over the last five years of the tour. Exactly. And that and that's the beautiful part of the way it is structured. I mean, the guy who has the worst career average starting this year yep. and one year can fish his way in. Uh, right. The rookies can fish their way in like right. everybody has an opportunity that 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 is a good part is that nobody there are people locked in you know and and but there is nobody locked out so yeah. you can you can perform and get in so that right. is the way it was structured was the was the best to give the most people the most motivation to fish their way in um you know so that part of it was good but as far as uh, yeah i mean as far as the decision as to as to why to do that or if it's right or wrong Dude, I have no idea, and, and I and I think only time will tell. You know, I, I I can see I can see reasons why you can make an argument of of how it would be better, and I can sure. see a lot of reasons as to how it wouldn't. You know, to sure. be honest, so um, uh, you know that's yeah. It'll, that, be, it'll be it'll be fun to watch and see how it all boils out. That's for sure. And, <laughs> yeah. and and who knows? You know, a business goes through more adjustments you know maybe you yeah. see more adjustments after 2024 or or 2025 i i would yeah. love me personally man i would love for a business to say look this is what we're going to do for the next you know 36 months yeah. and and for three years you ride a course and really yeah. kind of see where that course takes you because i feel like it's hard to judge or understand how a business is or you know consumers are going to react or yeah. how a business is going to react in in such short time and in, in, in segments so um that we'll, yeah. we'll see and what that, happens that's, that's a big part <laughs> yeah that's a big part of it because we we have we've not been consistent long enough truthfully with much of anything to, to really get a great feel on it the most consistent we were with anything was two pounds every fish count and i think we did that for two two seasons two or three seasons right we had right. one season of one of one pound every fish and i think we had three that were at mostly two pounds we might go to a tough fishery like a lake travis or something that was a pound and a half but um and that was the most consistent we had done that i guess for three years because this was the fifth year and then this was the year of five fish um so yeah it's it's like we were just in my opinion we were just hitting our groove with every yeah. fish and and higher minimums 
and then that got squashed. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. It, it's part of it, you know, doing some adjustments, some some business stuff. I think the most successful MLF has been is through a time when they were uh, most steady, I guess you might say, which was mm -hmm. from that 2011 through 2018 time frame. Yeah. I think that's yeah. when the brand grew the most, and uh, yeah. people loved it. People still love MLF. People are excited to watch what's going to happen in 2024. So we're going to see the final shakedown. Last question on this, Ot, and, and again, I, I feel like I'm pushing this a little bit, but um, I wanted to get these three questions in. The yeah. last one is the angler voice. You know, there, there's been some change. The MLF was built on this angler voice concept. Anglers yeah. still have a voice. They yep. still listen to anglers. Uh, it's not to say that they're just dictating every single function that, that works throughout the organization. Right. But uh, there seems to be a, some adjustment there. What's your take there? Yeah, and, you know, so I was on the angler board, um, angler rep board from the, from the get-go. From the time right. we started Bass Pro Tour, I, I was elected to that and, and served on it up until about a year, year and a half ago, something like that. And I have, uh, have not been on it for that last, you know, however long that's been. So I was on it. The, sure. I've been on the majority of the time I've been at MLF still to date. Um, and, and we did a lot of things and we, we spent a lot of time on the phone and things we accomplished and things we tried to, that didn't. And, and as a, and I've told a lot of people this, um, I, I like the fact at, at times, <laughs> at times that, that anglers are able to have a voice and have a say and right. to, to make, you know, make recommendations more so than anything. It's, we, we don't yeah. make decisions. We make recommendations as, as kind of, as kind of our role sure. and, and that's okay. I, there's times when it's good. There's times when we don't even, we shouldn't even be in the conversation because as a whole, <laughs> we're pretty dumb just to be quite frank. We really are, you know, and yeah, that's, yeah. And, and, and what you're talking about, about the inconsistency, a lot of that has came from anglers. It yeah. has. And, yeah. and that's, and, I mean, is it good or bad? Well, some of it's been good. Some of it's we're been all, bad. We're all our own worst enemy, right? <laughs> we're our own worst enemy, and, and we're extremely, as anglers, extremely guilty of knee-jerk reactions of we did yeah. something once, this didn't go well, we need to fix it right now. Well, yeah. you just need to, sometimes, you like you said, you just need to let it play out and actually get a get a two or three year yeah. vibe on it and, and see if it see if it actually works. And And as a whole, we're extremely impatient. We're always right, and that's when you're making decisions. That's really not a good way to be. Right, right, right. Well, well, so fortunately, I, so if, I, they, I, oh, if they take if they take some of our decision making away as a whole, I'm probably okay with it. Is I guess <laughs> right. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that's that's a great. You're always the voice of reason. That's why I love <laughs> to talk to you, Ot, and and that's why you've been on the board. You've been a a big part of of angler input throughout the years uh even all the way back to your flw days you know mm -hmm. you've been been a big part of that and and it's it's great to hear thank you for expressing that to uh all the listeners out there now we're going to get back to some bass fishing all right <laughs> <laughs> all right this is the fun part so uh man recently on your instagram i saw that you you mentioned two primary baits you love to fish in the month of november a jerk bait and a small pro profile swim bait on a jig head and yep. what makes these two baits specific players for you this time of year and and how <coughs> will you implement them into your into your strategy yeah you know uh even even getting this late in the fall um sometimes the bait still bait's still pretty small as well as a lot of fish are, are suspending you know um especially if you've got clear water and that's here in east tennessee this particular fall man we've not had 
hardly any rain it's and everything is is clearer than normal um and that really plays into both of those baits well you know that that little swim bait's very realistic very natural and the jerk bait is too and then you can you know kind of generate more of a reaction bite out of those fish but the the fact that a lot of fish are suspending they're targeting bait and the water is usually fairly clear you know in a lot of places this time of year that's a lot of the reason those two baits are effective um and then it's just about finding an area that uh you know to use my my favorite around here would be you know catch a day that you've got some wind maybe you've got some clouds and pushing across some some rocky points and that kind of stuff and you know keeping the boat out in 12 or 15 feet and casting up to four or five and and fishing those baits back so you're sometimes with that swim bait you can get it close to the bottom um, but it's with the jerk bait it's it's never about bottom contact you know it's just about trying to get those fish to come up to it and uh and get them to bite great stuff great stuff there now you know everybody talks about bait in the fall <clears throat> and uh we talk about using forward-facing sonar now obviously to find yeah. bait pods uh look offshore look close to points humps structure you know or just off of those pieces of structure where that bait might be suspended can you speak a little bit on what your grasp is on bait movement how do you besides just you know launching the boat dropping the troller and starting to look around or graph around um you know where is it that that you're looking for these and do you have almost like you would talk like a bass seasonal behavior pattern do you see a bait fish seasonal behavior pattern from like say late summer into fall and then through early winter yeah absolutely it seems like you know a lot of that bait is early in the fall it goes back into those uh, pockets you know back towards the backs of them and and in those flats and that kind of stuff where once you eventually had a little bit cooler weather that bait starts pulling back out pretty quick as the back end of those places cool you know cool kind of faster so that bait kind of starts piling up as you as you're working your way back out um and and a lot of time i mean that bait spends a lot of its time not around any structure by design you know i mean that's the, they, they get in, in in that area and that's they're getting in the danger zone you know for them so that's why something like wind or current or something like that that will wash those bait across a point or across a hump or something um that's where that's where you know stuff intersects and it and it becomes becomes a little bit more uh traditional and and the kind of thing that you expect to happen so uh but yeah those, those bait fish to me they definitely kind of start pulling back out um as it cools off a little bit and because they're going to end up wintering for the most part you know out towards the main lake and uh and and kind of spending their time out there so um but it does seem like this this time of the year that bait a lot of times in the morning will be down a little bit you know it may be five to ten foot deep and then as the mm -hmm. day goes and and if it warms up some or the sun gets up that bait will pull up shallower and then in the evening is is truthfully when it gets the shallowest and and closest to the bank uh, i'd fished up at douglas this last weekend and uh we had we, we'd struggled to be honest i mean we, we didn't we didn't end up doing any good in the little tournament we fished in but just in the last 30 minutes i mean of, of the day that we had to be in at 345 but it after three o'clock um was the first time i actually saw bait get on the bank and fish start chasing them you know so that wow. that last little bit of time in the evening can be some of the most uh most effective if you're out there then there you go great stuff that way we, we know we don't have to you know maybe we can go to work in the morning and hit the water in the evening just like we do in the summertime just yeah just gotta no, get I, out there a little early with the sun going down fast <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i mean that's if, if you told me i had an hour to fish uh, any i i had one hour of the day right now yeah. 
it would be the last hour of daylight. That's absolutely when I, if I was just going fun fishing, that's when I'd be out there. I like that. Great tip. Great tip. All right. Now, um, I know that you love running the rivers. You're in a river right now. So that's, that's where, that's where his heart lies. I know that's where your heart lies, but, uh, particularly talking about this time in fall fishing, um, you know, how long into the fall and into the winter, you know, it's been a warmer than average uh, fall, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, it's uh, November. What is what is today? At seventeenth, yeah. and uh, yeah. you're in a sh- yeah. short short sleeve shirt there on in East Tennessee, just uh, yeah. you know pl- plugging away. But but um, you know this river fishing, it's current oriented. We 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 know that that's a, a major player. Um, how does how does this current, the rivers, the shallow water, kind of affect this latter part of fall and early winter fishing? From your perspective yeah it, it really depends on the type of system so like the holston river here where i'm at um here where we live it's it's a tail race fishery so it comes mm-hmm. out of the bottom of cherokee lake um and then flows like 50 miles down to knoxville before it, it meets up with the french broad um but so this being a tail race fishery coming out of the bottom of a big deep lake it stays warmer um okay. you know than like a headwater fishery would um, you know, the, the rivers that flow into say Douglas, like the Nolichucky and the French broad and that stuff, those right. come straight out of the mountains. So you get a little cool, you get a couple nights at 28 degrees, that water temperature goes straight down. I mean, right. it, it'll fall 10 degrees in, in a couple days. Gotcha. Um, this, it, it, it'll change a couple, you know, so that, and they're generating some off and on this time of the year. So they let some water out. Well, it'll be. You know, it's coming off the bottom of Cherokee. It's 60-something degrees right now. Right, right, right. Um, you know, so this down here will stay good longer into the winter because it's going to stay warmer. Where that up there, you get a couple of those really cold nights and stuff, it just really knocks the water temperature in the head, and those fish, you know, shut down pretty hard. So, um, But if you if you keep mild weather like we've had, man, it can it can stay pretty good fishing. But you just got to be prepared at any point in time that you get – get a couple cold nights it'll get tough but as a river fishing in general as the as it cools the fish will go from in the summertime when the water's at its warmest you want to be in the very fastest water possible i mean right in the shoals right where the water's moving really fast and that's where the bulk of the fish and a lot of the bigger ones are going to be the cooler it gets the slower the water you want to move to i mean it's pretty pretty standard um, as, as far as how that works all the way to the deepest slowest pools is where they're going to spend their winter right so you know you know where they were at in the summer they were in the shallowest fastest in the winter they're going to be in the deepest slowest and so in the in the fall they're going to be somewhere in between uh, yeah. you know, so that's and that's why i like rivers because i know where they're going to be here and i know where they're going to be there and they're only going to be somewhere in between yeah now it's interesting yet like you say you don't they don't have a whole lot of place to go Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not like they can, you know, swim from the back of a pocket out to the main river channel and, exactly. and a point and hump and everywhere else in between. Um, yeah. But so when it gets tough and you and you talk about it gets tough, is that just they just ain't biting? Uh, yeah. Is it is it you know, can you change some techniques, obviously, probably to get a few bites? Mm-hmm. But is it just more of a patience deal and just fish become less uh, obviously less aggressive, but, you know, yeah. just not feeding in general? Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. And that's, you know, if you're doing the right things in the right places and, and you're just not catching anything, they're, they're for the most part, just not biting. I mean, there's there's not a lot else that you can do other than maybe 
drowning a man or, or a crawl at or something, you yeah. know, I mean, that's to, to try to get one to, to bite at that point in time. Um, right. you know, but yeah, when, when it gets, when it gets really tough and, and that's, that's, what's funny is that it can still be very specific. Like in summertime, man, a blade of jig, I'll just catch them and catch them and catch them on it. Like right, this right. time of the year, I'll get a few bites on it, but it's really not that good, but I can throw a wake bait and I get just as many bites as I was in the summer, you know? So right, it's right. funny that what, what they, what they key in on, like when you find the right bait, the right bait, it is on like Donkey Kong. Anything else, it's like you'll catch some, but you put on whatever the right thing is, and you get a lot of bites. It's it's funny how specific they will be on a on a presentation in the river, and that's it's 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 kind of surprising to be honest, yeah. because you'd honestly think, well, it's you know it's going to be the same all the time because the water's fairly clean most of the time and those kind of things. But it's very much whether it's a top, a middle, or a bottom, and if it's a moving or or a slow. Once you figure out that combination, then you get a lot of bites. Very cool. Very cool. That's great information. That's why that's why you end up with that little pile of stuff in the corner of your boat, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But then once you, you, once you went once that week already, know what it is. You just need one rod the next time. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's great, great knowledge there. All right. Uh, last question before we go to our first break. You know, we've talked a lot about bait, moving baits, uh, jerk baits, swim baits, you know, what what techniques outside of bait oriented techniques do you like to fish in the fall uh approaching or you know this early winter you know late fall early winter time frame outside of bait oriented yeah. uh artificial lures yeah I, I, a jig is my would be my number one go-to you know i feel like the the last bit of i, I don't know if crawfish truly hibernate where i live i don't know but it seems like there's always a a good jig bite um you know at, at, in the fall so that whether that's a football jig out a little deeper or just pitching a jig around lay downs or, or on bluff banks and that kind of stuff right. a uh a, usually a smaller profile more of a finesse style jig um is man is a go-to for me in the fall and something i can get a lot of bites on and something i can i can catch big ones on you know it's i can fish it in a lay down or bluff bank or skip it under docks or anything like that it's really versatile but it also just does you know, it, it gets bites on those days when, when a lot of times those moving baits won't, um, you know, or just a good compliment to them to crank right. down a rocky bank and then pitch a jig in a tree kind of deal. Right. Now, a lot of jig heads, you got the arky head, football head, round head. I mean, all, all kinds of stuff anglers have to choose from on, on the Bass Pro Shelf when they walk yeah. in, right? Um, yeah. if, if you had to pick one for a lot of these styles of techniques, you know, fishing through the deep holes, rocks, Maybe taking a, a flip or two at a, at a you know a lay down that you come by. Uh, what what style jig head would you say is the best overall? My my favorite jig overall is the uh, is a Terminator Pros jig, okay. um, and it's and it's a standard jig. But the three eighths you can take and really trim it down and make it a pretty small profile, um, and it's. It's kind of an arky, um, a little bit more bullet shaped than an arky. It's just a good all around head. It's good in rock. It's good in wood. Um, it's got a good hook in it. Um, but that's my that's my favorite all around jig for sure. All right, and then let's go into the trailer, man. We just saw mm -hmm. Chad Mraz, you know, win this Table Rock Florida Championship <laughs> event with with basically a little stick a stick worm on, on the back of a jig yeah. lot, you know, less action, but maybe create some more buoyancy with you, this jig. Yeah. Uh, wh where are you at in the trailer game? Obviously maybe a little bit less 
movement as the water gets cooler, mm-hmm. but specifically the types of trailers that, that Ott's going to be throwing on his jig. Yeah, it's pretty much going to be one of two, either either a chunk, and usually this time of year, you know, when I'm fishing that smaller profile, it's a, it's a Bass Pro Shops Elite Chunk Junior. Okay. Um, that's a really good little chunk. That's if the, I, if I, the old style that's got the two little, right? That's right. Yeah, um, that, that's one of my favorite just for just for a simple trailer style. But uh, but then a twin tail grub is actually one that I like pretty well. This all right, um, a twin tail grub is one I like pretty well this time of year too. You know, it does have obviously a lot more movement to it, but I think it's something that when it's a really tough bite, I actually get more bites on that little twin tail um, for some reason. You know, it's it's it, uh, it just seems to just seems to get bit. That's what we want to know. We want to know what gets bit. So great yeah. stuff. All right, Ott, sounds good. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a little bit of a break right here. But, okay. Uh, we gotta we gotta first give special thanks to Bass Pro Shops, one of our presenting sponsors here on Bass Edge Radio. Bass Pro Shops always reminding everyone that we live downstream. We're gonna return with some more bass fishing tactics from Mr. Ott the Foe right after this message. Plenty of sunshine. Come on, man, let's roll. What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. All right, here we are, back with some more Bass Edge Radio. Ott's tying up some stuff. He's, <laughs> he's out there on the water. Man, Ott, uh, you know, great first segment, man. Really good fall fishing tips there for the listeners. Excited to uh, try some of those out and, and see how some of that stuff shakes out for, for all the listeners. And, um, man, you've got some crankbaits out there. You do a lot of lure, lure tankering. Rapala has come out with this uh, Ots Garage. It's been out for several years. I'm pretty yeah. sure the MLF event you won at Lake Fork was part of the Rocco winnings. Is that right? Uh, no, that, that one was not. Um, oh, that one? Uh, yeah, the, the top tens at Lake Eufaula. Well, a lot of that okay. was on Slim, but then when I won at the Harris Chain, um, I caught a lot of those fish on slim. So yeah, so those, those were, uh, yeah, slim has pl- played a part in multiple top tens and, and that win of all places to catch them on a flat side of crankbait in Florida. So I was, I was surprised crazy. by that as anybody, but, um, but yeah, no, it, it definitely did. It's it. As soon as you said, I remember Brian knew, I think Brian knew won an event down in Florida on a crankbait too. So, uh, yeah. never, never can count out anything in the tackle box. So That's right. A, that's uh, that's pretty cool. Let's let's talk a little bit about about Ott's Garage, about what's going on in there, and and uh, you've got basically four primary signature crankbaits, right? You've got the uh, is it the Rocco? Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, yeah, Rocco, Slim, Tiny, and then we actually just released Deep Tiny. 
Um, deep tiny. Yeah, deep exactly. Tiny, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Let, let's kind of break some of these lures down. First okay. of all, you know, when you've got this arsenal of, of signature baits, mm-hmm. uh, what did you make these baits for? Was there a specific time of year behavior pattern that you felt like each bait would be maybe mostly productive for? Yeah. Yeah, there definitely was, you know, with slim, it's a, it's a, a bigger flat sided crankbait. I mean, it, it is, you know, most flat sided crankbaits are, are a little smaller in profile, more like, you know, tiny's probably on the small end of that spectrum, but somewhere in between those two, I think is where most people think of a, of a flat side crankbait landing as far as, uh, as far as size goes. Um, but with slim to me, that was, it was a pre-spawn bait, you know, the water 50 to 60 degrees. Um, but it's kind of, kind of where that bait, you know, in my mind would shine, right. but then that's, what's interesting with it. The tournament that I won, uh, where I caught a lot of fish on it was in May in Florida. The <laughs> fish were post-spawn. Right. The, the water was in the low seventies. Like, you know, it, I mean, it didn't, it didn't fit the box that I had, that I personally had put that bait in, you know? Right. So, um, that, that was a, that was a funny one just to show myself that, uh, that I shouldn't pigeonhole something like a flat sided crankbait to cool water. So, um, tiny, definitely a little, even, even shines in a little cooler water and then just tough fishing situations. Like to me, um, that water in the forties, you know, they'll absolutely bite tiny. They'll bite it up into the fifties. Um, and then early and early fall bait that September, October, um, shallow, dirtier water. But when the fishing's really tough, I have, I've had some, I've had some tremendous days, honestly, on tiny, we fished a, we fished a cup event or actually the team series event last year um in texas and we fished on somerville one of the days um very pretty tough fishery when we were there it it wasn't excellent i i had 14 that weighed like 40 something pounds on every one of them on tiny that day i mean i had i had like a six i had a couple fours i mean i had some big fish and i had I mean, by far the best day um, on, on that particular lake that day, and every and, one of them came on that little bait. And that's a stump field kind of shallow lake, right? Somerville. Yeah, is, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I caught all those fish around standing timber uh, on that on that little bitty crankbait. Yeah, I was catching those, catching those, you know, some four pounders and six pound. It, it was a, it was a mess, but uh, but it was a lot of fun doing <laughs> it for sure. Do you have to downsize your line when you go to a, that small crankbait? You know, most of the time, if I'm just in open water, uh, you know, or rocky banks and and not a lot of cover, I'll typically fish it on 12. Um, And I actually started with it on 12 that particular day. But after I caught the first big one and it got me wrapped around some stumps and stuff, I was like, man, I'm going to go up to 14. The water was dirty. It didn't matter. Um, And so I went up to 14 and, and didn't, you know, had had no problem with it whatsoever. So that's 12 or 14 is typically what I what I crank it on. Um, but then Rocco, you know, Rocco is, is, was the first one that was a round bodied bait, um, square bill bait and definitely had in mind for it to be a warmer water bait, you know, in that 55 to 60, 70, 80 degree range, you know, anywhere that you'd want a square bill, um, you know, to, to really crank around wood, both slim and tiny round build baits. And you can finesse them around wood, but they, they will get stuck. I mean, it just <laughs> is the case with a round bill bait. But Rocco, man, it we built it with the idea to to throw it in the middle of a lay down, point your rod tip at the water, and crank it, and it to come through it. And it does a very good job of it. I feel like flat-sided crankbaits are not 
extreme. If you if you were to go to five bass boats right now with random anglers throughout the country, mm-hmm. I feel like flatside crankbaits one of the fewer style of crankbaits in an angler's box. Yeah, it's just you know, I, I just yeah. feel like it's it's not really known. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the effectiveness isn't really known, but man, when they bite that bait, just like you showed down in Florida and and there at Somerville, dude, it, it's when it's on, it's seems to be pretty insane. What makes yeah. a flat sided crankbait so special? You talk about early spring, but then you've had great success in post spawn with it. What makes that bait, you know, uh, attractive to to a bass? Yeah, I, I think that I think the way that it moves the water you know that that flat sided bait something with the way that it doesn't move as much water truthfully is is what is, is what it does you know that and that's that that event at Harris chain <coughs> postponed those fish were still funky and they were feeding on really small bait fish like that's always a deal when when fish are feeding on small bait fish you will get more bites on a flat sided crankbait i don't care if it's if it's february or if it's august if they're feeding on small bait, you're going to get more bites on a flat side of crankbait. Um, and I've seen that. I've fished at the Mississippi River in Wisconsin in August, and you're going to catch more on a flat side if they're feeding on that little bitty bait. Um, you know, it, that's – I don't know exactly the reason. I just know that I've seen that situation play out time and time again. Maybe kind of a match-the-hatch type thing. You talked about – and I see this a lot down here at Amistad too in the fall. The bait's real small. Bait's real small, and if you can – mimic that smaller bait just like you talked about earlier with your jerk bait your small swim bait this time of year and now you know we're bringing tiny and and some other you know faster retrieve baits into into the the mix here um when you know we talked about bait movement let's talk about bait size yeah uh what times a year are you going to use a larger lure because your bait is is bigger that time of year what months maybe would you say versus the times of year when the bait seems smaller and you need to downsize. Yeah, that uh, a lot of times for me, um, post spawn, typically, I mean, the, the particular one in Florida didn't right, end up right, working right. out that way. Um, but usually post spawn is when I'm going to go to a bigger bait. Even sometimes, actually, when those fish are spawning, even, um, and then as soon as they get done, it seems like those fish, when they're on the bed, they're more aggressive towards a bigger bait a lot okay. of times you know there's they all go through moods it seems where you throw a little wacky worm in there and they're just going to gobble it up but then there's other fish that you, you throw a six inch swim bait by them and they're not going to let it be around you know i mean they're gonna they're gonna at least hit it if not eat it um but then for me it happens again in the fall that september october time frame you know there'll be fish that are feeding on that little small stuff and they can be really hard to catch but that's the time of year when i do either end of the spectrum i don't throw a lot of three and four inch stuff I either throw a little bitty or I throw real big, gotcha. and I feel like that's that's one of those deals of either matching the hatch or trying to get completely on the other end of the spectrum and feeding them a really big meal. Um, and that's a, that's the time of year that personally I've been been really effective. And it's funny because when that happens, like you can actually get more bites on a big bait than you do on a small bait, thinking that you're fishing for numbers. You know, I, I have certainly right. seen that where under the right conditions, you know, the uh, you, you got to have the right weather conditions of uh, you know of some wind typically more than anything but um you get the right right weather and you can put on a six or seven inch swim bait or a big walking bait and get more bites than you would with something small i like it i like it so you've had a lot of success with the tiny now you've come out with the deep tiny pretty much 
descriptive it goes yeah. a little bit deeper <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and that's what we worked hard to try to get basically the same action okay in a bait that would run two or three feet deeper because regular tiny will run three to four foot on on 12 pound line you know so okay. it's a it's a pretty shallow bait um yep. but we wanted that in the bait that would get six or seven feet because it is such a dynamite action and and fish just really really bite it well so we needed that, but in, in something that would fish a little bit deeper. Um, and it, that was the one I'll be honest, it took the most revisions, um, to get right. Um, and, but it, and it took us four or five times to try to get that right, but we finally did and, uh, and was able to, to get that same action in a bait that would run six or seven feet deep on, on 12 pound line. Um, and it, and it's funny cause I mentioned about regular tiny and it does decent in wood. Um, right you know, but not, not excellent. I wouldn't say deep tiny does really well in wood, uh, that okay. little bit longer, a little bit wider bill, man, really helps protect those hooks and, uh, and get that bait to come through stuff really well. I like it. I like it. All right. Let, let's talk a little bit about how, how this comes about, or, or, you know, Rapala comes to you. They, they say, Hey, ah, you know, you, you got some cool stuff in your garage or you say, Hey, Rapala, I got some cool stuff in my garage. We need to make this. Stuff. And, and how does that progress evolve? Yeah. It, it started with the ladder. I was like, okay. Hey, I, I've got, I've got some, I've got some stuff that, you know, I, cause I had, I started, uh, with Rapala at the end of my 2011 season on Bassmaster. So that was, um, as a rookie, I'd won rookie of the year that year. Yeah. And, uh, and then, uh, won that all-star event after the end of the season and they had called me out of the blue, I, I had never had any contact with them. Um, and, uh, and they called me out of the blue and said, Hey, you know, we'd like to offer you a, a pro staff spot. And it's like, absolutely. Um, they're, they're, in my opinion, I've never, there's never been a hard bait company. I'd rather have been sponsored by than Rappler just because cool. of, of having made balsa baits way back when. Right. So they right. called, I'm like, absolutely. Um, and then, so I've been with them since the 2012 season. That was my first year representing Rapala. Um, and I, yeah. Wow. yeah. And I told them then, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I've made balsa wood baits. Like uh, it's something I've, they, they didn't know that, you know, when, like, when dude, they, that's right. what we do in East Tennessee, right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's a, <laughs> since the seventies and eighties. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, you know, this is, this is right up my alley. And, uh, you know, I've, at any point in time, I would love to, you know, show some stuff that I've made and whatever. Well, that, you know, that nothing happened for seven or eight years, honestly. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and I had, I had kind of started making some headway with it, with them. Um, but then after winning the classic, they were like, it was about a month later, honestly, they called them like, and we had been talking more and more about it even before the classic win. And it was probably going to happen. But after winning the classic, they were like, Hey, we need, we're going to do this. We, go, we, right. we think as a brand that this is something that we want to do. And it was, it was a big, uh, it was a big commitment for them because they hadn't done yeah. a signature series type thing like that with the, with the brand of Rapala ever, honestly. Right, right, right. I, mean, there's, I think they had done some colors, but no baits, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Mike's, uh, you know, I can baits has custom ink stuff, um, right. was the only, was the only stuff they'd ever done, but bait design wise they had never done anything and that's and i had um slim i had been making at that point in time and mike i i, I need to always give a shout out to mike here because i had i had given all the guys on, on the rapala pro staff at that point in time it was a it was an old bait that rapala had made that i was modifying okay and and that was slim that was the, that was what slim was 
and uh, I had given all the guys on the Rapid Pro staff a handful of them, just like, hey, smart you know, move. Smart you know move. fish this at some point. And, uh, and Mike had used it in the classic that was here in Knoxville. <laughs> on one of the off days, he actually came to the house. He's like, dude, I hate to do this, but can you make me some more baits? I know I'm fishing against you and you're in a classic on your home, your hometown, <laughs> but I really need some more baits. That's and, uh, a cool like, story. So, I mean, we literally come here to the garage and I, and I fixed him some up, you know, two days before the tournament and I, and I glued everything in, right. I didn't try to sabotage him or anything. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, but no, so that, that, and that was kind of the start of it, you know, and, and those, and Mike helped, um, you know, help push that through with, for right to, you know, to wrap the for me of, Very you know, cool. telling them why it would be effective and a couple of wood does flying by right there. Oh, that's cool. But, uh, but yeah, so he, he that. Oh, the leaves are gone. Leaves are yeah. gone. It's, uh, it's been so dry. It's not been terribly cold, but it has just been so dry that there's just no, no leaves left hardly at all. I taped a show there just, uh, man, I guess it's been about 30 days ago. I was at the Pittman Creek show. Okay. There in, uh, in in Sevierville, and uh, the leaves were still balmy. Yeah, though. it was it crazy was about, to change in thirty. Yeah, days. it was it was about a it was about at its peak then, pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very cool. All right, let's let's uh, let's dive one more one more question into the garage. Uh, what's coming up, man? Where where do you see? Do you see like you know if you come in with some more signature baits or ideas? Do mm. they have to be forward facing sonar oriented <laughs> in today's world? And uh, do you have anything in the works there at the garage? Even though maybe it might not be a a uh, uh, lure, but but just something that you're using that that's you know kind of neat, a little bit different that you feel like might might you know help some anglers catch some fish technique wise. Yeah, I, I feel like you almost know something that I don't know that you know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I definitely do. I've had something you know kind of kind of in my pocket for for a while, and that's. Um, we, we've worked on it some, it, it actually wouldn't go under the Rapplet brand, but it would go under one of their, one of their brands. And we've worked on it a while and, and COVID and everything else that kind of got put on hold, but, um, hopefully it will be, it will be coming through here, um, before too much longer and be able to, to get it done. But, um, but yeah, definitely got some, got some more stuff, uh, more stuff coming. And, and it's funny you mentioned that cause it actually is like so many tournaments and and so much of what anybody is seeing or buying anymore yeah. is forward facing sonar related and right. and i have seen it with with my crankbait sales that uh, that it has hurt them i mean sure. I just, to, just to be quite frank it really has uh, yeah. Yeah. you know because that's what people are they're buying jig heads and they're buying soft plastics right. you know to or jerk bait maybe um you know jerk bait was the big thing for a while well then it's gotten to where it's all the Mickey mena style stuff right. you know on a jig head so um it, it has hurt all the other traditional baits um you know bait sales and stuff forward facing sonar really has because that's even if tournaments aren't all one on it that's all anybody's talking about um yeah. is is how is how to do this with forward facing sonar and, and so people just aren't fishing the traditional stuff as much whether what is that going to do to us i mean you think that's kind of scary right it really is it truly is you know i mean it's it's it is really you know, a little bit, I think we saw it a little bit with Alabama rig, uh, you yep. know, when it first came out, that was all anybody was buying were, was rigs, jig heads and swim baits. Like right. you went to Bass Pro, everything else was full pegs. Everything those was went, empty. <laughs> sold out, right. Sold out. I mean, that's all anybody was trying to buy was an Alabama rig or Alabama rig components, you know? So, um, we saw it a little bit then and it's, it's certainly kind of like that now. Um, so I, 
you know, that it, that's the funny part with it. It opened up everything else and, and you could go back and fish traditional stuff in, in a year or two. This, yeah. the, the thing that scares me with forward facing sonar is yeah. that fish that were normally unpressured, right. normally left alone. And, and so they kind of had that rest period. No don't get it either. anymore. And so it's, it, it to me has, it has even made the fishing on the bank a little tougher where, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was like, oh, it's going to open the bank up and nobody will be up there fishing. Well, <laughs> yes, but those fish that, those fish that would come and go, I mean, and that's, I mean, where I live is a prime example. Our, our fisheries are so wind driven. When the wind blows, you catch them. When it don't, it's pretty tough. Um, right. And it's tough because they just, they don't go up or down. They just go out in the water column, you know, yeah, yeah. they're in four foot or they go out here or whatever they do. Um, right. and, and the lakes and the Ozarks are a lot the same. Well, they're still getting targeted when they're out there. So then when the wind blows, it's like, even if they come to the bank, they're more educated. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe they just don't even come to the bank as much anymore. So that's, yeah, time. I mean, that's hard to say you, you, you have to, be tough to think or or at least in my mind that that they're just changing their behavior patterns and and Mm -hmm. uh, obviously we're seeing more out there uh that that's what the technology is providing us the ability to do Mm -hmm. um uh they've been out there you know the whole time there's fish that have been shallow the whole time there's fish living up in the rivers you know the whole time it's uh it's uh it'll be interesting i but (coughs) i I agree with you It, it seems like uh a lot of us, you, me, um, folks watching the show are becoming pigeonholed on this yeah. facing deal and, and the baits that are effective through there. Uh, maybe we'll find more baits. Maybe we'll develop mm-hmm. some hard baits that, that, you know, can thrive through that yeah. technique and, and still, you know, Hey, look, when it, when it's 56, 55 degrees in the springtime, Tiny still going to be very effective that's, that's know, right. up on the back. Yeah, so, that's right. So, uh, that's and, right. and even if you're forward-facing sonar, I mean, we've seen yeah. that at Lake Fork, shallow stumps, different mm-hmm. places. Uh, it's still going to be an effective bait and something yeah. that everybody needs in their tackle box. Man, no, uh, th- this has been a great interview. Thank you so much for really shining some light on some fall bassin. I know you've got ducks on your mind, which is, <laughs> which is great too. But uh, any final thoughts for uh, – the Bass Edge listeners, before we let you go here and get back to your uh, wonderful, uh, you know, outdoors activities. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate everybody out there listening and, and follow along. Make sure you, if you're not already subscribed on all our stuff, social media and YouTube and everything, make sure you do that. And uh, something coming up um, for Jenny and I starting December 1st, we'll do our big Christmas giveaway. So make yeah, sure that cool. you follow along with that. Um, we'll do tw- 12 days of Christmas there starting December 1st. So um, yeah, be sure you go to our YouTube page and, and, uh, Facebook and Instagram and everywhere and check that out. It, uh, it's, it's a pretty awesome deal. We give away a lot of great prizes, um, from all our sponsors. So yeah, be sure yeah. you check that out. You guys have a great message doing the awesome things. Thanks for everything you do for the industry. I thank you for being here with us on Bass Edge Radio, man. We, we're going to come back. We're going to kind of review some of Ott's information that he gave us, but, uh, Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour Angler, Ott Defoe. Great luck in 2024, man. We're going to be watching out there. Take care. Enjoy the outdoors. We'll see you again, buddy. Thank you, Kurt. All right. Okay, we're going to be right back here after this short break. Y'all don't go away. Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline.
the joints of champion, where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast, a pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. More Bass Edge Radio. Man, that was a great interview. Awesome to have Ott with us here on this program, this mid-November Bass Edge Radio. Man, a couple highlights from, from that interview. Man, sometimes fish just aren't biting. I mean, you hear it from the best angler and one of the best anglers in the world, if not the best angler in the world. Uh, man, Ott Defoe out there fishing rivers and, and loves that aspect of, of uh, his home there in East Tennessee. Um, the Nola Chucky talked about the French Broad, the Holston, and um, how fish change. You can really see them adapt. He talked about how these fish adapt throughout the year, throughout the time frames of the year, and when you can find that special bait that they are really keyed on and um, you know keep working through those baits. Don't think that it's always just going to be this way or that way. Uh, you know, based on you know the book as you might say. Even I talked about, you know, he talked uh, of this, the tiny uh, slim crankbait that he made and uh, ended up demolishing them in times of year and places where, you know, he didn't think it was the prime, the best primary time frame. But uh, man, when, when fish get on something or you figure out what, you know, a, a bait or a profile that they're ready to attack, you can be very, very successful. Now, one thing I also wanted to mention about Ott is uh, while I was going through, uh, looking at the Rocco, looking at the Slim, the Tiny, and now this new Deep Tiny crankbait that he developed, is he's got a cool box, man. If you go to, this might be a great gift idea, but it's Ott Pro Baits Picks. You can find this at Bass Pro Shops online. Man, it's got a Terminator jig in there, a spinnerbait, a crankbait, Tokyo rig, some Neko hooks, plastics, and of course, couldn't have a box without his some some of his signature crankbaits. So uh, go check that out. It, it is at Bass Pro Shops. You can get it online. Uh, maybe a great, like I mentioned, a gift idea or something you just want to grab to have what's making Ott so successful out there on tour because he talks about why each bait. There's a little video that goes with it, but it's Ott's Pro Baits Picks available at Bass Pro Shops there online. But, um, man, once again, appreciate Ott just breaking down some fall fishing for us and, you know, things that he's saying, bait movement, which is such a critical aspect. We talk a lot about how bass move, but really what critical aspect, especially here through kind of the late summer, fall, and early winter time frame is how do you find those bass if they're just chasing bait? Well, I heard it a long, long time ago, and that's uh, Rick Clunz, that if you want to understand the bass, you've got to understand the bait. 
Ott giving us a little bit of uh, great insight on some of those bait movements and, and understanding how we can find that bait to go catch more bass. So, uh, and that was uh, very, very cool. Okay, here we go. Uh, man, there is really no tournament highlights or recaps or anything coming up. There is the uh, December, early December, I think it's the 6th through the 9th, the Harris Chain Bassmaster Team Tournament Finals. That's going to get that last classic spot. I know we've talked a lot about the uh, movement in the organization here and there. And stay up with those. There's a lot of great podcasts that talk about that movement. Um, Bass Edge Radio talking about how to catch more fish. That's a, that's our key, and uh, we're going to continue to keep that our key. So uh, keep coming back for more educational uh, videos and chat with some of the best anglers in the sport about how they are targeting bass so that you can go out and duplicate some of their success on your home fishery and uh, become a better bass angler. So, um, man, that's, that's kind of going to break it out, man. That's this... Uh, Thanksgiving edition, I guess you might say, of Bass Edge Radio. Uh, we're going to come back again for a December 1 show right after the holidays. Um, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk more about what's going on in the industry, kind of moving fishing into more of a early winter style pattern. I really see that even happen down here at Lake Amistad down south. You're going to see that in Florida, southern Alabama. Um, starting to transition into some of this early winter. Of course, the Midwest is really going to be seeing this type of stuff. And even up north, a lot of my buddies up north, I was actually talking to a good friend of mine, Alec Morrison, up in uh, at Champlain. And uh, he's cracking some big bags. It's already snowing up there, unbelievably. So kind of kind of interesting stuff. But, uh, man, stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio. Make sure you subscribe, like, keep listening to us on those audio platforms. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Man, we're going to keep hitting you with some more info. Bass fishing know-how right here on Bass Edge Radio. Dude, just subscribe, like, hit the comments. We are going to enjoy seeing you here with Bass Edge Radio. So long, everybody. Adios.